because I was uh, eating, drinking this, that, whatever. Like I would just do anything. Drive fast, drive slow. Like I had so much chaos as the wreckage of my relationships because I was just trying to alleviate the pain. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Uncoupling. Today we have Josh Nasser. It's pronounced Nasser, correct? You pronounced it perfectly. It's like NASA with an R. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I don't really know how it's pronounced. I don't know if it's NASA or NASA. I don't know. You're winging it. It I works. I have no idea. It's NASA space program with an R. That's how I tell space you Space program it. with an R. That's it. Josh Nasser, space program with an R. Welcome to the program. He is a TV host. He's a social media personality. He's a stand-up comedian. There's basically nothing he doesn't do. He has East Coast sensibilities with his West Coast kindness. Welcome to Uncoupling. Thank you for having me. On social media, he has 4.5 billion views, and that is with 8 million followers cross-sectionally. I absolutely love his content on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. I think there's also Facebook in there. Yeah, Facebook's over 2 million followers now. Wow. So we're going to get into why that is, the content that he brings to the table, which is hilarious and heartwarming all at the same time. And uh, we're also going to discuss some breakups. So, Josh, you are currently in a relationship? Yes, I'm currently in a relationship. How long? Uh, one year, one month, and one day. Two days. Oh, we almost had the one, one, one anniversary. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that's a comedian's curse. It's like the one, one oh, it's one, one, two. <laughs> no, it's not this, one, one, this one. This girl's great. Uh, where did you meet her? Uh, she was actually bartending, and I remember watching her. She was talking to somebody else. And I, the first thing I thought is, wow, this, this woman's smart. That was it. Like, a smart just bartender. The way, or just smart. She's smart. She also does, um, she does the groundlings, which is an improv thing. <gasps> well, that, of course she's smart if she does groundlings. And I got to like level, let's say, three, and she's already at level five. Like oh. I couldn't like. And you didn't know she did groundlings before. I don't know anything. I just literally was like, I don't, my brain just went, wow, this woman is smart. And I love that because I'm lazy and that way I don't have to do everything. And I also just, you know, a weird flex for me is I uh, was a server for six years, but I never went to bartending school or barista school. And I feel like, can she make one of those amazing mixologist cocktails? She does all of it. She literally does all of it. While telling jokes. Yeah. She's a, yeah. She's she a, should serve you drinks in different characters. N- you know what's crazy? <laughs> neither of us really drink. Well, there you go. Mocktail. Yeah. Neither of us. We just, <laughs> we just like fattening food. That's it. I, I can relate. Yeah. I can relate. Um, so... What led you into this relationship? Did you know you were looking for a relationship or did this happen upon you? And you're one of those dudes that's like, hey, I'm not ready, but I'm going to be ready because this is the girl for me. A little bit of both of that, actually, because I didn't know what ready was until I met this woman. Like, I truly feel like as I sit here right now that this is probably the woman that I should be with, that I want to be with. Like, she's just great. Like, literally, you have any problems with her? Yeah, not really. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, no, uh-uh. you know, there's things that we both want to work on. Like yeah. I'm better at certain things. She's better at a lot of things than I am. Um, but I just literally went out with her and then we got along. And again, I was like, wow, this woman is smart. She's so well read. Like she says stuff and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have what no idea. What I, don't, I don't know anything. I, I literally, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Now, did you pull one of your lines that you do in your professional life of approaching strangers and basically I won't take the words out of your mouth. The uh, D-A-D joke. Oh, the dad oh, jokes. Yeah, the dad yeah. jokes. No, what happened was, uh, I so I'm pretty good at stand-up. Like, I'm proud of myself. I work hard at it. So she had saw me do stand-up, 
And she was like, oh, this guy is very, very funny. I didn't know that she saw me do stand-up. So she had seen you when you walked up to her, she recognized you? No, she, she'd seen me do stand-up after, I think. Okay. So okay. I was talking to her, so I don't know if there was a mutual level of respect. Like, it was serious to me. Like, everybody else is at the bar drinking. I'm sitting there going over my comedy. Like, it's a business for me. It's right. not like I'm not there hooking up and all that. Like, I was just there to do my work. And then we started talking, so I, I had a respect for her right away because I was smart she was. It was at a comedy club. It was at a comedy club. She was literally bartending at the comedy club, forgive me. And uh, and then she had seen me do Sam. She's like, oh, this guy's serious about his craft. Like, this is it's not some, because I'm sure she, she's- That's the best lead-in you could ask for yeah. is like when you're like naturally just doing your thing and crushing it, and then she sees it, that's the best pickup line you could really ask for. I think so. So I didn't have to do any dad jokes. Wow. I, okay, this makes this is like a comedy fairy tale made in heaven. Yeah, oh, I definitely. love it. Is this the first comedian you've ever dated? Uh, no, I've dated a stand-up comedian before. She's not a stand-up. She's not stand-up comedian. She's in it's, comedy. It, well, it's totally different. Right, right. Stand-up comedians were horrible. We have hatred in our hearts. <laughs> we're bad human beings. If you ever want to date a stand-up comedian, don't. Literally, never. We're insane. Um, we're horrible people. We're literally murderers. We're horrible. But then you but, get to laugh while dying. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, she's much kinder than I am. Okay, so she, she's in the comedy world, which yeah. warms my heart that you guys get to make each other laugh. Yes, she makes me laugh ridiculously. But this is, so had you dated a comedian before? Yeah, but I dated more of a stand-up comic. And, right. You know, she's- The uh, darkness. Yeah, she's more of a writer. She's like Tina Fey. Yeah. You know, Who's that she? kind of- <laughs> Tina Fey? <laughs> mean girls, I know, I know, I know. She, a little bit of Liz Lemon. 30 Rock's my favorite show. So what would you say your biggest breakup lesson is? Is it from the comedian that you dated, the stand-up comedian that you dated? Or would you say, what do you, what do you, how do you feel on the topic of breakups? Like, you're my first male and it's like late 30s, early 40s. As far as you know, I get Botox. Go on. Exactly. Exactly. I love getting different perspectives about, we call this uncoupling because... Basically, in society, we will see someone on someone's social media grid and all of a sudden they disappear or traditionally in history, it's like it's just this vulnerable topic no one wants to talk about. And coming from a comedian, coming from a male perspective in your demographic, what has been your history with breakups that has now led you to this very healthy spot in your life where you can have this person that you love so much? Would you say it's the... Any comedians breakup stories or what would you say your um, biggest takeaway was with your biggest breakup? I think that uh, for me, my breakup history has nothing to do with those people. Okay. It's all to do with me. I was severely mentally like injured, whatever, from my childhood that I had to go to 12-step for codependence. Mm -hmm. I went to Codependence Anonymous. Uh, I was going to therapy. Is that different than Al-Anon? Uh, that different. is different than Al-Anon. Yeah. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Al-Anon is adult children of alcoholics. alcoholics. Mine is for just codependence. Yeah. Um, and I also went to therapy, extensive therapy for That's great. Where did you get all about therapy? relationships. What? What age did you get into therapy? I started going to therapy when I was 23. That means and, you're going to be a really successful comedian. <laughs> and I had no money at all whatsoever. Wow. And I went to a place called Sliding Scale. Uh, where you, they literally said, how much money do you make? And I was like, I'm not making anything. They go, okay, $10 a you session. You have to put this into your like stand-up. Yeah, no, it's in there. It's in there. Okay, Yeah, great, no, great. I was all messed sliding up. Sliding so. scale. This is before BetterHelp, guys, before there were apps. You no, they the, still have sliding scale. They still have sliding scale. Yeah, if you, if you need therapy and somebody needs their hours to become on their own, yeah. you call up a place and they'll either refer you or they have it themselves where literally you can say, I don't have any money, I need help. Yeah. And, um, and BetterHelp, I think, also has that too. 
So not Al-Anon, but it's is it Slaw or is that a different Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous? It is. So is Slaw code, yeah. Codependence Anonymous? Yes, uh, Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous and Codependence Anonymous. So f- first of all, uh, from my understanding, all twelve-step programs are from a lack of love. So I don't feel good. I'm going to drink. I'm mm. going to smoke. I'm going to this. I'm going to sugar. I'm going to food. Well, once you get rid of all of those. A lot of people from those programs go to Codependence Anonymous or SLA right. because you've gotten rid of the substance and now you're dealing with the issue of why you did all that anyway. Mm-hmm. So my best understanding of Codependence Anonymous for me was I didn't have healthy boundaries um, and when it comes to relationship, whether it was my boundaries towards somebody else or them towards me. So let's say I'm dating somebody and um, they're always late. And um, they're they're standing me up all the time and they're not truthful. Maybe I would stay with them. Why? Because I have attachment uh, disorder issues. Mm. So Codependence Anonymous, one of the things is it teaches you how to have a healthy boundary. How do you set a boundary with somebody? How do you live with the disease and the discomfort of setting that boundary? And also, if they don't adhere to that, actually walking away and leaving. So it's how to have healthy boundaries in relationship. We were talking before about paying you would learn actually what is appropriate, what is not appropriate, and also being able to leave a situation once again if it's not healthy for you. And when did you enter Codependence Anonymous? I was, uh, I believe I was 25 when I entered, and then I went for a while, and then I stopped, and I went for a while. But I was, I mean, I was raised by someone who was legally insane. So I was raised in insanity. Mm. I mean, the stories I tell you, be like, damn, really? Like my stepdad... From my recollection, he wouldn't talk to me for months at a time if I didn't put the milk away. Jeez. So now I'm just sitting in a house like. You should know. That dead air. Yeah. I I was running for that my whole life. I didn't want to feel that dead air. But you should know you are the best byproduct coming from that kind of environment that you share your pain with people as a comedian. You got into therapy at 23. At 25, you're in Codependence Anonymous. One thing I love about living in Los Angeles a lot of people don't say a lot of great things about Los Angeles aside from the weather's nice. But what I, one of the things I love about Los Angeles is ATSA is awesome. You get through LAX so fast. But more, more on topic. Do you have is, clear? I have clear and I have pre TSA. Go ahead. But curbed, curbed to gate guys. It's like ten minutes. They have a lot. It's amazing. Other TSAs could learn from LAX's TSA. But secondly, <laughs> more important, aside from good weather and good TSA, is that self help is so accepted here. Everybody's in a twelve step, and that can be a joke. It should be a joke, but it's also incredibly inspiring that there's a group of people that have unsolved issues, as everyone does, but they just wear them a little bit closer to the surface here. And the fact that you were in your early 20s as a comedian getting into, in my opinion, comedian being a comedian is an outlet of, of self-help, but getting into those other aspects of self-help, you couldn't have turned out better. Yeah, but it, it, it took 25, 30 years of that. I mean, it's like... it. it it takes a long time to Once undo the wiring. To undo the wire for me, it took a long time to undo the wiring. Like I'm now, I feel like just like now, like oh, I'm like kind of like a normal person now. But no, I mean, I feel bad for the people I've dated. I was a lunatic. I had no idea. I was a, I was a monster. I was crazy. I didn't. I didn't have any idea. And what gave you the foresight to get into therapy at that age? At such a young age of 23. Uh, I just was in so much pain. I had such separation anxiety. And that's why I was saying it had nothing to do with the women I was dating. Was Anytime a woman broke up with me or I broke up with a woman, it was the worst thing ever. 
And then after the fifth one, I go, hold on. It's not them. <laughs> it's me. Okay. You know, it's me. So it was, it really triggered all kinds of childhood abandonment issues. And the fact of being alone or being in pain, I was just trying to get away from it. That's amazing though, that you realized it at such a young age to connect mental health, happiness, no stigmas against that at that time. You know what I mean? I, like don't it's, know. I think I don't, it's changed with Gen Z. Yeah. I don't know if I had that wherewithal to, to actually realize I just was in pain. I was just an amoeba. So when you got into therapy, you're starting to realize, okay, codependency, I have to build up happiness for myself before I get into a relationship. Your next relationship in therapy, did you feel like it was paying off or was it like the career was doing better? So you kind of fell back to old habits because the career was being satisfied. So in that next relationship, you know, what? take us on the timeline from like 23 to like 30. Like what was the next big relationship? Like were there any horrible breakup stories out of uh, once you're in therapy and you realize you have a great tool? What do you think the next step was? I think it's a slow process. I think every rela- – unless you are completely a psychopath or narcissist where you can't take in the information, every relationship gets better, whether it's a work relationship, personal relationship, whatever it is. Um, I would say this relationship I'm in now is the healthiest I've ever been. But I had to undo, you know, your formative years, uh, if that's the correct yeah, word. You know, yeah. you had to – I had to undo that. So it, it took me in, really until now – to be like, oh, I'm a normal person. Like I was, I've been insane for the whole time. <laughs> now I got better and better and better. And then I found that the people I dated be better and better and better. And that's just simple math. Like, you know, if, if I go out with somebody and they're mean to me and I stay with them, well, obviously I'm not in a healthy place, but if I walk away right away, which so that's what I learned how to do. I learned how to walk away. So every relationship got better and better, but they were horrible relationships. And it wasn't even them. It was me. I What's the worst up, thing you did to a girl? You're no, it's not even that. It's not even that. It was my reaction. Okay. I was a rageaholic. I was angry. Everything was affecting me. Parking tickets, driving tickets, car accidents, work. I was just reactive to everything. Did somebody recommend therapy to you? No. You just, I just found it. I just was East like, Coast I, still, right? No, I was about here. You're out here? Yeah. There we go. That's that's a little yeah. bit of a nudge. Like the little hippie vibe I just... definitely pushes us, thankfully, I think, to to mental health being like physical health. Yeah. To the doctor. And like you said, it's more accepted now. But back then, no, it wasn't. I just was like, I need to get help. And also, I saw my career slipping away. And I was like, hold on a second. I can't even. It was affecting every part of my life. And that's just like, it's really like an addict. Like when I went to 12-step for it for Codependence Anonymous, it's like, you know, if you're an alcoholic and you're drinking, well, I can't go to work and I'm this. It started to affect my career, my life. And I was like, man, I can't. I came 3,000 miles from Maryland for this. Right. I better do something. That's interesting that what I love as artists is we have to wear our heart on our sleeves and especially comedians. That's like wearing every organ on your sleeve. <laughs> it's not just the heart. Yeah. And so I love that maybe being a comedian is what healed you at the same time? I mean, from that early age, getting you into therapy, if you had been like an accountant, I don't think you might have gotten there that quickly. I tell you, one of the reasons that helped me is anytime I had some dis-ease or discomfort in my life with a relationship, I could immediately go to the comedy store. I could go and I had, you know, 500 friends, you know, just yeah. people to be around. Um, and I often say you learn a lot more off stage than you do on stage just mm-hmm. by hearing somebody's conversation or talking to somebody. So I think, you know, with the mental health and not to get too deep, but you have to have peers around you like, yo, I got you. You're good. I'm good. You're good. We're good. Okay. Like, 
You know, Did you see people on the, on the circuit that you guys would all sort of support each other? Oh, we we still do today. Mm. My one buddy just Jimmy Fallon, you know, and he was and I, we I'm, I'm pumping him up before he does it, and he's like, "This is great," and I mean, we just we help each other. I love that you guys pack up as comedians because you're always on the road together. Like you said, you're hyping your guy for 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 Fallon. You're hyping your guy for Fallon. Do you guys talk a lot as? adult men about breakups or is it this because i feel like women tend to talk more than men that could absolutely be a generalization at this point in time where we are in society at least western society what are your experiences with that for at least my friend group we talk about everything because it really does intertwine Mm -hmm. so as a comedian we may even talk about a breakup on stage right not about the person but we'll make a joke about it so a lot of times you're in the parking lot at the comedy store and you're just talking and you're vacillating in between a joke and uh, and you go, wait, did, did that really happen? Oh, yeah, that really happened. I was dating this person, this guy, this girl, and this was really hard for me. So um, I mean, I remember saying to my friend, I go, hey, man, you deserve more than that. I go, mm. you work hard. You're well-respected in your community. You're a amazing comedian. You Whatever you just told me about that, that's not right. And he's like, yeah. So we really, at least my group, friend group, we kind of hold each other accountable in that way. Not all the time, but yeah, when you're hanging at the comedy store and you're in the back and it's, you know, one in the morning or 1230 at night, you know, you're just like, yeah, wait, that's not right. And it really helps each other. Have you ever found out someone did break up through stand-up? Like one of your buddies was like, wait, when did this happen? Uh, the mentioning on stage Yes, first. because I'll hear somebody talk about a relationship. We're like, oh, I'm glad you're you know, still going out with that person. And then they're like, they go, oh, actually, no. We're, we're, I just haven't written new material for that. I'm still doing it. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah. It, by the way, everything we see on stage is not real. It's not real. Do you feel like your comedy changed over time as you became a healthier and healthier person? Yeah, because now when I go on stage, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Excuse my language, but if you no, like me, you like one that. of my my favorite jokes is uh, I stop and I go, you know, I don't care if you guys like me. I don't care. Like, I don't. I want you to like me. But let me put it this way. I've done 10 years of 12 step and 15 years of therapy. If we don't get along after all the work that I've done on myself, it's you. You're the problem. You're also forgetting you've done 10 years of therapy, 15 years of 12 step. Is that right? 10 years of 12 step, 15 years of therapy. And how many years of stand up? Yeah, 20. <laughs> that's, a, that's a triple layer cake yeah. right there. Yeah. That's like three doors to walk through. Yeah. I, I, I am an actor and I could never imagine the fear that would be involved with being a stand up comedian. Like it actually, like my brain explodes None of it thinking about it. We're all going to die. None We're all going to die. None of it matters. I totally agree that what would happen? Matters. What's the worst? You What's go on funny, stage and you bomb. In my, in my 30s, it's, it, all, the, all the sayings are true. Like you care less and less as you get older. But then do I care less? Because being a stand up comedian, I immediately start sweating. Like, like within 30 seconds, there's like a bead of sweat dropping right. down my underarm. Tell me what it, what is it? What is it? What's what the is fear it? behind the fear? What is that? Like you go up on stage, you bomb. No one laughs. Everybody's throwing tomatoes at you. It's the worst. Then you go home. You're like, all right, whatever. Maybe it's the vulnerability because I think that the vulnerability is even more being more vulnerable than an actor. So in a weird way, not to be so meta about it, but breakups are a very vulnerable place to be. And so I always wonder if when I watch comedians, I'm fascinated by comedians because like you said, the darkness behind the funny fascinates me. And I think when a comedian gets caught with their pants down, it's like a comedian in a breakup or a comedian failing on stage. And so for me, I um, the people that are willing to be the most vulnerable, because to me, an actor's pretty vulnerable. 
comedian's a whole different level. So then to see a comedian not working on a relationship or being heartbroken, there's something like, I don't know if it gets more vulnerable than a stand-up comedian getting heartbroken. it's the same vulnerability. Like, if you get hurt, no, but what I mean is, if you go on stage and you bomb and you get hurt, or in a relationship and you get hurt, it's just vulnerability. And I would say, again, not to get too meta, but it just jumps back to when you were a kid and not wanting to feel that vulnerability that you did at some point in your life. I would think that has something to do with it. I absolutely think it's vulnerability. I also think, and I don't know if it's just a girl thing, is that you're conditioned as a kid to think there needs to be at least two people in the household, that like the loneliness or being alone equals lonely. And I think that's something we're undoing as we get older, especially now that there's not as many reasons to get married uh, logistically in society. I think um, it's, oh, I'm going to be even older figuring out my shit. But in reality, figuring out your shit is not being with another person. Figuring out your shit is figuring out your shit. (laughs) And that's a one time, that's a one man show. And so I think that's also the bummer is like you lost the video game. You got to go back to, you know, level one and beat the beat the villains throughout the, the beginning levels and then get higher. You know, it's like that's that's the analogy that I make in my mind. So as a comedian and as an actor, we travel a lot. We're full on gypsies, basically. And so finding that sweet spot again of oh who's gonna put up with the travel schedule and it's harder to date someone to get to know someone when you're constantly being pulled oh my god a comedian on a whole other level because you guys tour all the time um it's not just going to set occasionally uh for long periods of time so it's it's just that idea of will i find that again it's hard to find that again with our lifestyles so i think that's also part of the mix and i think you touched on something and you kind of glossed over it you said uh being okay alone and i remember writing in my journal and i wrote it more than several times like to recondition myself i am okay alone i am okay alone or like alone actually, is not lonely yeah just sitting with that and actually feeling that and going all right i'm alone like really sitting with that feeling of i'm alone and okay and you're alone i mean i'm assuming your girlfriend doesn't travel with you constantly or do you guys travel no, on the road together no, yeah no, so no. you're in every hotel room no. you're used to i mean i can't imagine the hotel points you must build up yeah no she uh we spend a lot of time together and then, but for this relationship, it doesn't matter. Like I won't see her for a week and it's like, cause we're constantly, I mean, when I tell you the amount of memes that I send her on Instagram a day, <laughs> like it's enough. Like I, I don't. And so if I don't feel connected to her, I'm still all right, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, you just become okay with sitting in it. You Did know? you always share your material with every relationship you were in or do you never share your material? Oh, I don't. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'll share it or not share it. Like with this one specifically, like I got a, I got a, uh, an offer for, for a brand deal from uh, a car company. And I was like, I don't know what to say. She goes, well, why don't you just say this? And I go, okay. And then I submitted it and they go, okay. So she actually writes for me certain uh, stuff, okay. which I was like, oh, that's amazing. Because the worst, and you'll hear it's a kind of like a generic hacky thing, is like if you're a comic and you date somebody that's not funny, you're just like, eh. Exactly. I would think yeah, you have it's to. the worst. So- <laughs> The fact that she's such a good, like, Tina Fey type writer. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's dope. Do you think she's going to join you in the car talking to strangers? No, she doesn't like any of that. Really? She can't. She gets so embarrassed. It's embarrassed in just pu- for public, herself? Public. Which, <laughs> it, which to me brings me so much joy to embarrass her in public. Of course. You know, like. That's what you we do. Were at, we were at the grocery store yesterday and I was like, I said to the guy, I go, I always got to pay for her. Do you think that's right? 
<laughs> I don't always pay for her. Yeah, exactly. But the guy's like, and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, God, I, I, it's like I'm like a sugar daddy to her, you know? <laughs> Just make her uncomfortable. Just, you know, make her uncomfortable. And then, I'm, and then I'm cackling. And she's like. You should get in. Uh, pro tip is uh, my best friend's married to a, a funny guy. And mm-hmm. he has her Facebook login. And so he would log in, and she's a really healthy eater. And he'd be like, guys, I'm really gassy. I'm uh, in Valencia, California. Anywhere to have a Hooters where I can get some wings? Where's the closest uh, Hooters? And it, yeah, yeah. And so he pulls some really fun uh, flatulence situations. Well, that's with my style of humor. Updates. I didn't want to say it on here. <laughs> but that's literally what I did. You can say all flatulence. No, I, I, I'm constantly talking about her diarrhea in public, <laughs> which it doesn't even happen. That's the truth. Is I'm she like, a excuse me, eater? do you know where the diarrhea medicine is? <laughs> and I'm just pointing. She's like, why? And I'm like, I don't know. It just comes out of I'm me. Like, wrong. I can't stop. I have Well, problems. she might be the one for you if she's not leaving yet. No. <laughs> she just literally shakes her head. And I'm like, yeah, my bad. The bigger the shake, the better the joke. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm so bad. Do you feel like, like you said, you, each relationship got better as you learn more. Do you have any just wacky, like what's the dumbest thing you ever did in a relationship that if you could like make amends right now, um, not the most hurtful, but like the dumbest, like or the silliest, or the just you you can't believe you did it. I was an angry person, so I none was, of it's even silly. Uh, no, I was I was so I I would just be angry at everything. I did door to door sales for twenty years, so I was constantly fighting all day. You know? Oh, here's my, I have I, okay. This is one. I had horrible money issues. Uh-huh. Something for my child. I, don't know. I mean, horrible. I always in Just fear. couldn't budget or, or just did, fear nothing, around money? Just fear. Fear, okay. fear, fear. And I remember, and I caught myself. I think uh, I let a girl, I was younger, I let a girl borrow $60 or whatever. And then she, uh, she gave it back. But essentially, like, we got it out of the ATM and I wanted the $62.75 for the ATM The transaction fee. fee. That's what it was. And then I was like, oh, I need help. <laughs> that was something I was what a moron. You're going to I, go into a rage machine because was, of two dollars and seventy-five. So no, no, not towards her. She was kind. But I was like, oh, okay, I got money issues. And I literally turned, <laughs> I go, oh my God, I have money issues. I go, that went in my mind. That went in my mind. I once had a guy that um he was very, very, very well off. That's fine. I'm I'm of the belief that this is an egalitarian society. I actually believe in splitting. What does that word mean? Egalitarian means uh equal. Okay. That we should be able to Split the first date. You're not going to go. Well, you might, being the stranger joke man, you might go pay for strangers' meals. But most of us don't feel obligated to do that. And so why essentially a stranger on a first date, are you meant to pay for someone's meal? You split the meal. Nope. I, I See, I, I, I believe it's. Vi- you have to pay for makeup. And cl- look true. what I'm wearing. That's true. That's a good you point. You pay for everything. That's a good point. No, you, there's so That's much stuff point. that society tells you. I need a purse. And I need this. And I need this. And shoes and a dress and whatever. Like literally, this is literally the same shirt I'm going to wear to the gym later on. I've packed a few boys, and I'm vi- the only time I want to be a boy. Wait, like, what did you just say? I what? So the only time I want to, I packed many boys. What does that mean? I packed like many- for trips. Oh, okay. I, pack, <laughs> I don't know what that meant. I packed many boys in suitcases. I packed many boys. I'm like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> the positive for trips, right? Um, and the amount of stuff you need. Uh, astonishes me. And I'm a pretty low maintenance girl and I still have all of the isms yeah. and the things and the attachments that I that I have to pack in my it's like, all bullshit. suitcase. It is bullshit. But being that I do believe in splitting. So that's put that on the table. I really do believe in splitting on the first date. After the first date, you can ebb and flow, fine. But first date, it's a stranger situation. No. However, I had a boyfriend for many years that would um split coffees with me. And I would get, hey, whenever you can, Venmo me. Was he rich? 
he was. Yeah, that's how he was rich. Hold on, hold on. He was, <laughs> no, no, that's not. No, no, no. But it was it was just a funny quirk about him. I'm like, what is that? That they make you split coffees? Like I, I that's fine, but it's not. It's not fine. You know, the Libra in me wants to be like, it's fine, it's fine. But so there you go. The, the transaction fee, the splitting of the coffee. There are other guys out there that have a. How it is, I have, we actually haven't talked about this on this podcast, how money awakens you to more parts about, uh, more parts of your of yourself, I should say, like how money and breakups seem to go hand in hand. But sometimes you find out more about yourself too, like you're saying, when uh, a frivolous money issue comes up. Well, but it's not on a deeper level. Money is security. Absolutely. If I don't have money, yeah. I'm going to die. Yep. Like, you know, that's... So money really represents. If you didn't have that two dollars and seventy five cents, I'm telling right? you, man. But but it goes back to that silliness of of scarcity. Yeah, it's not about the two dollars and seventy five cents. There's something wrong with me, you know. It's not about that. <laughs> Wait, did know? she did she ever know that it bothered you? No, I stopped myself. So she never even fully knew it. Oh no, I told her. I go, hey, I'm going to tell you something in my insane <laughs> brain right now. I'm going to tell you what my brain thinks. <laughs> How did she react? I mean, she at that point, like. So I've been very, very good at being open and vulnerable. So even now with my current girlfriend, I'm like, hey, my insane brain is thinking this right now. I know it's not she real. She probably takes, like, it's an entertainment factor for her. It is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. The women I've dated, I'm very, I've been very entertaining. They are won't you, are, forget Are any of your exes still friends with you? Yes. Uh, many of them. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Many, many So of you them. stopped yourself from the rage quite a bit. It was more of an internal I think, dialogue. Uh, and I would... I would say almost 99 to 100% of them, they were, I can't say my fault or their fault, but my, a lot of, I'd see my side of it, hmm. you know, like I, I wasn't a, a good person or a nice person or a truthful person all the time or whatever. I was in such angst before. And honestly, this social media has saved me because it gives me something to do as an actor or an actress. Gives you purpose, you're sitting there waiting. man. You're just waiting for somebody to tell you that you're good and I'm good enough. You're going to pick me. Well, now my social media, no, dude. Uh-uh, I'm going out. I'll, I'll film on the way here and I'll make money today posting before noon. You know, you, you know, they say self-esteem comes from esteemable acts and esteemable act is getting up and and doing something for yourself for whatever your dreams are. And well, that's can, a big yeah. theme on this podcast is uncoupling so much of the breakup is not about, like you said, the other person. It's about ourselves. So this else. It's a very sneaky way of being a self-help podcast, but yeah. uh, it's something that I really enjoy talking about because no one wants to talk about the breakups, and that's where the biggest wealth of knowledge comes from. My breakups were—I mean, when I tell you on the ground in a fetal position, crying and shaking, like that's how bad. That's the separation anxiety. Like, did you develop was, more hobbies as well? Like, did no, you find more at, friends? At, at, at the time, these breakups were so bad for me. Again, nothing to do with the person. It was me. That separation, which comes from childhood stuff, it was the most traumatic. You know, sitting in the shower, rocking back and How forth. How long would you go through? I'm assuming that's like day one after it, it, breakup. How long was, would you go through it that was process for? Months and months and months and months, then months and months, and then months, you mm. know, and then now it gets. But even the, uh, the last one before this girl. We only dated for a few months. I thought maybe this was the one um, and it wasn't. It just didn't work out. And I had severe panic attacks after it, but I knew what it was. And I called my what mom like, yo, I go, it was just, it was, it was a separation. Still, 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 you. still separation. Like I was having anxiety and panic in the middle of the day, but I was sitting with it. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this is. Oh my God. I know. It, I would get up in the middle of the night. It was almost like a shark. Just like, like I, I was panic. I would sleep on the couch, sleep on the bed, sleep on the couch, sleep on the bed. Like it was, 
it was really, really intense, but at least I knew what it was. Um, and I really thought this person was very, very, I thought this person could have potentially been somebody. And it wasn't, it wasn't good for me. I think that's interesting what you said of people say like, lean into the pain, welcome the pain. Because if by leaning into the pain, you're acknowledging the pain is there. You, then yeah. you say, oh, I know what this is. So the more you fight, what is this? What is this? Why do I feel this way? And you don't let it in. I want to feel better today. I can't accept the sadness. That's what I did. Right. That's why That's I went to the codependent. That's why I went to the 12 step because I was uh, eating, drinking this, that, whatever. Like I would just do anything. Drive fast, drive slow. Like I had so much chaos as the wreckage of my relationships because I was just trying to alleviate the pain. Does that make sense? That absolutely makes sense. But the second that you realized what yeah. you were doing and you said, I'm still doing it, but at least I know I'm doing it. Then I was able to actually stop it. and not even do that as much like the last relationship. I didn't do any of that stuff. I went to the gym. I got up. I put I put little notes around my house. I get sticky notes. You can do this. You can get through this. You got it. Like I did all the things that I learned, all the tools. So that way I didn't have um, extra wreckage. Mm, Does that make the sense? sticky notes. Yeah. Like the sticky notes. It's something as silly as I'm driving fast. Why? I'm trying to gain control. You go, wait, how did, that doesn't, that doesn't. You know, getting angry at a, a random uh, teller because it wasn't fast enough. Mm -hmm. That's just all. In my mind, it was trying to gain a control that was fake. Aw. I feel like you should write your jokes on a sticky note and give it to them after you've said it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Incorporate both together. I really want to start. I, that's one of the things. No, I'm, I'm giving things away now. If you and your girlfriend get married, I hope all of your exes come up with a really fun monologue together. I yeah, they can they can give to your yeah, your yeah, best yeah. your your best mate to to say at the rehearsal I'd say dinner. All the people I've dated before are very kind. Like you know, we all have our issues up and down. Everybody's just trying. Mm. You know, everybody's trying the best. Unless you're like complete psychopath, which I don't think I've ever dated like somebody who's that. You know, they're in the, they're one of the fifteen people out of the hundred million. Yeah, they're, they're they're rare, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. So when you say the mantra, "I'm okay being alone," "I'm okay being alone," in your journal, what was the bridge? Was there a hobby? Was there um, a certain aha moment for you that made you okay being alone to walk into your current relationship? Two things. One, I was relentless with the self-help. Mm. There was times I was going to therapy five days a week. Like, no. I was, I was, I'm telling you. Like, Comedians, it was man. No, it was no game. <laughs> yeah. Like wow. I was in so much pain. It was your job. I mean, it was your part-time I mean, job it to was, it, I was in every day. relentless. With this, okay. I mean, it was it was nonstop. That's uh, one of the uh, the blessings and the curse about who I am as a person. Like, I shoot, I shot a video on the way here. Like, I am constantly doing what I do. So, one of the great things about what I do is like, if you say, uh, "Okay, we're gonna go to Mars," I go, "Okay," and I'm there. Like, I'm going, you know. But uh, I may <laughs> yes, explode I on the mean. way. <laughs> so, uh, so I think you uh, cannot say no. I just that's go. your next step. No, I just go. Yeah. You know, I uh, get it. I, I just go, which is good and bad. Well, it's um, maybe part of the, like FOMO too. You just want to experience whatever was offered to you. Like you want to take the ride. If some, if an opportunity is pre presented to you that's in the least bit attractive, you're like, yeah, sure. I'm no, I want to get that. to the destination. You want to get to the destination? I want to get to the destination. Okay. So I think that was uh, one thing um, is being relentless with that uh, mm -hmm. and, and the pain. Um, and uh, I think the second thing is, I did all the little silly self-help things, the self-help notes. I remember jogging one time and going, I'm okay alone. I'm okay. I remember like all the things I'd read in the book to do, I would just try. All those little things. I remember uh, putting um, motivational thing uh, signs on the inside of my car on the mm -hmm. dashboard. So I would look down 
and see it and see it and see it. So, so all the little things that the, the just dumb being things. Relentless consistency. Think, yeah. Of just keep. I don't know any different, it. which yeah. is good and bad. As I said, that's why. Like, I think for right now. The, the woman that I'm dating, she's good at being like, yo, dude, stop that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Let's watch TV. Let's go yeah, for a walk. Yeah. She's like, okay. put down the phone. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know? She helps you. Maybe that's one of the reasons that you guys work so well is that she tells you uh, any boundary that you have a hard time keeping on the other side of the pendulum. Yeah. She can help you uh, cap it and say, you're there. You're okay. We went and uh, looked at turtles yesterday. I didn't have my phone with me. That's the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> we went and looked at turtles. Griffith Park. So lightning round. One word answers, one sentence answers. First question, when was your first breakup? Third grade. Julia and Laura Kopakin, they were twins and neither of them liked me. And I thought I was dating both of them. You were in a thruple before? <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your first crush? Julie and Laura Kopakin. <laughs> Identical twins. What is your model relationship? My mom's relationship with me. Mm. Yeah, she's dope. She's amazing. I'm assuming your girlfriend loves her too. They're very much alike. They're very smart and kind and are like, they judge me in a hilarious way <laughs> and they shake their head at me they and it's keep amazing. you accountable. Yeah, sorry, lightning round. Yeah. What is sorry. your go-to breakup movie? How wonderful life is. Moulin Rouge. What is your go-to breakup song? Hip hop, like it gets the aggression out and the beat and the Beast boom, mode boom, on boom. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. I yes. mean, I just go to the gymnasium and I say the full world gymnasium and uh, <laughs> I listen to hip hop. What is your breakup food? Tatsu ramen That's on Melrose one. and La Brea. And I get double noodles. Of course. Double the comfort, double the noodles. What is your number one red flag in a relationship or a potential relationship? I think somebody uh, high intensity, uh, uh, high strung, mm. really high strung about everything. Okay. What is your number one green flag in a relationship or a potential relationship? Somebody who's self-aware. Mm -hmm. And what is a beige flag? I will describe what beige flag is. It is, what is a fun quirk of yours that a partner has communicated they love about you? My partners say that I have the ability to be self-aware enough to take accountability when mm -hmm. I'm wrong. I would, only in the hour that we've spoken, I would agree with that. And then if you are in a long-term relationship, which you are, what was the moment you knew that she could potentially be the one? When I first saw her, and I was like, wow, this woman is smart. I literally was like a lightning. I'm like, whoa, this woman is smarter than me. This is awesome. I can be lazy. <laughs> and then to leave us today, what are your words of wisdom, which I feel like you've given a healthy amount of, but what would your words of wisdom be to people going through breakups right now? I feel like my words of wisdom is what we talked about before is once you are really okay being alone, mm whether someone's coming, going, maybe coming, maybe going, but you're totally solid, which I wasn't for many, many years of my life. Once you're really okay with being alone, then you're really okay and ready to date. That's going to wrap this episode up for Uncoupling. Josh, thank you so much. I think this is the first time we've actually talked about 12-step on this program. So that's – for that, I'm just grateful you Tune in next week to Uncoupling and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and also sign up to become an exclusive member on our Patreon account. We'll see you next time. Uncoupling podcast is produced by Stampede Ventures, Jason R. Ellis and Holland Roden.